Hello, everyone. Welcome to our podcast. Here we will delicately and tactfully walk through each psychological issue. Psych! This podcast is meant for entertainment purposes only. This is not intended as individual, psychological, or medical advice. Please proceed at your own risk and always defer to your individual medical or mental health care team. Basically, don't make it weird, guys. Right. (laughs) Hello, everyone, and welcome to Shit Your Shrink Thanks. Sex and candy here. Who's that lounging in my chair? Who's that casting devious stares in my direction? Mama, this surely is a dream. Yeah. Dig yeah, it. mama, this surely <laughs> is a dream. Dig yeah. it. <laughs> it's real low. It's it is. real it's low. It's lower than I recall. That's hard. That's a hard one. It's a tough look for us. We don't have that kind of voice, but that's okay. We did it. Yeah. It relates. It does. To our episode today. So everyone, welcome as usual to our podcast, Shit Your, Your Shrink, Shrink Thinks. This is a show where two shrinks tell you what we think about life, mental health facts. We try out some coping skills. We give you new information about mental health. And we will also give you some a little bit of hot goss about our own lives. Yes. Our song today is Sex and Candy, and we will be talking about paraphilic disorders. Yeah. <laughs> this is episode 69. <laughs> <laughs> Nice. <laughs> 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 it's the sex number. <laughs> That's what she said. Yeah. <laughs> Michaela was like, I saw it was episode 69, so I picked sex disorders. I was like, yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah, I can, I like, I can uh, get into that. I love it. I really I really like that kind of energy. Yeah, I was like, my juvenile brain went right there. So yeah. I'm like, all right, we'll go with it. Hey, fine. It gave us a topic area, so I'm okay with it. So as y'all right, remember, we're still learning about each other here on the podcast and we share a story, something the other co-hosts might not know, or something like that's a general what's good for us during the week. So I would say what's good with you this week? This week, I just wanted to share an interesting commentary on Harry Potter. Ooh, okay. Okay. So it's kind of about, you know, like Lily and James Potter and Snape. Okay. That whole little love triangle. Yeah. 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 Mm Mm-hmm. So Lily and James's Patronus charms are complements of each other. It's a doe and a stag. Mm-hmm. As opposed to Snape's and Lily's Patronus are a doe and a doe. And they related it to the difference of love and obsession. Oh, isn't that interesting? Yeah. I like that. Right? I like that. Compliment versus identical. Exactly. And just since we were talking about sex stuff today, I thought that that was kind of relative because there's a lot of obsession in these disorders we're going to be talking about. Yeah. Ooh. <laughs> Clever. Like, Clever. don't get me wrong. I, I, Snape's a cool cat in yeah. the end, yeah. turns out. But yeah. yeah, definitely some obsession there for you to never get over your childhood love. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He's He's got some red pill qualities. That's for sure. Yeah. 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 <laughs> maybe a little concerning. <laughs> right. Snape maybe had a paraphilia. We don't know. Maybe. I didn't say it, but maybe, <laughs> but maybe I did but maybe. say it. I don't know. <laughs> Not enough evidence to yeah. diagnose. <laughs> Based on Patronus. We can't diagnose on Patronus alone. <laughs> Darn it. What would be your Patronus? I'm curious. Have you ever thought of that? Oh, goodness. What would be my Patronus? I mean, I have no idea what mine would be. I think mine would probably be a fox or a raven. 
Ooh, yeah. I dig that. Yeah, I actually have two pictures in my office that are a fox and a raven because for whatever reason, I have, a, I have a strange, strange set of beliefs. But pretty much whenever something is about to happen to me, I see a fox or a raven before or after it happens. Um, and hmm. they're kind of like... I wouldn't say good luck charms, but I always thought of them as kind of like guardians. They always show up when they need to. Like they let me know that something is going to change. Nice. I know it sounds very strange, but it's been pretty consistent. And I always joke like uh, the the Norse ravens, Hugin and Mugen. I always joke that, oh, there's Hugin and Mugen coming coming through. Let me know something's about to happen. So I don't know which one I would pick. But yeah, because they're they're clever they're kind of yeah more I, I don't know more dark or tricky yeah yeah and they're always very kind of crafty i think that's yeah that's I why agree. Yeah, yeah they're both very intelligent species yeah they're they're crafty they're kind of under the radar and i vibe with that sort of energy i'm I not it. maybe I totally it. light side always yeah <laughs> well what about you what would be your patronus i'm not totally sure but i'm guessing it might be one of the big cats yeah just what be- kind of big cat i don't know like a mountain lion or something sweet to eat people with sure yeah <laughs> what, what, what makes you think a cat because i'm just like a cat yeah <laughs> I'm, that works. yeah i'm very cat like in my personality yeah yeah or a twiddle yes <laughs> we, yes well, i don't know if a twiddle would be a very good patronus <laughs> my husband actually calls me the turtle cat Oh, okay. Hey, there's got to be an animal. There has got to be an animal that is a turtle cat. Folks at home who are playing along, let us know. What is a combination? platypus or something. (laughs) Something very odd. Yeah, I love it. Patronuses are something I like to think about a lot, and I use Harry Potter references more than I'd like to admit in therapy sessions. So, you know, thinking about positive memories and engaging with something healthy can be your patronus. It can be, and it can be a way to kind of scare away the darkness absolutely and yeah yeah dementors are a great representation of depression and yes patronuses are a great representation of coping skills activation. yes yeah yeah and positive <laughs> memories i like that what's good for this week yeah what's your what's good for this week sunny I would say my what's good for this week is that we just recently had our one year anniversary Yay! yeah of I know. the podcast being out and it feels really good it feels like we've accomplished something I feel like we have tried really hard, learned a lot about each other, learned a lot about technology, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> social media, marketing, and I think it's been keeping my skills fresh to yes. stay on top of some of the information that we're presenting to folks because I always want to make sure we're doing a good job so it makes me learn it better or more deeply. And yeah. I'm really enjoying that. Agreed, agreed. I, I like how it's kind of kept my knowledge sharp mm-hmm. or sharper. Mm-hmm. making me try a little harder on things and it definitely it's i mean it's its own hustle it is it's its, its own hustle. <laughs> like when we started i was like this is gonna be chill and fun and it's like well i mean it is when we're actually in the room recording but the yeah. rest of it has a hustle <laughs> yeah there's a lot around it there's yeah. a lot around it that i don't think people realize so that's it's been cool it's been cool to learn and i also it was neat a couple of our friends listeners gave us a kind of one year gift and it was very Aww, sweet yeah. and kind very so, thoughtful yeah so and we've had a couple other additional listeners even text us and uh this week we had a international listener from india send us a message and talk about how they're in a side program out in india and how they're using this as supplemental learning oh sweet yeah and i thought it was super cool so what's up international listeners we love you yeah that is awesome yeah yay yay yeah 
So what did you try for outside of podcast experimenting? I was supposed to do something playful and engage my inner child, and I failed. <laughs> and I did not. <laughs> I, I did, did not. not. Yeah. Between newborn baby, pumping, trying to figure out, like, trying to move and find a job and having other organizational work and the podcast and just – there was just too much. I was hustling, on, and I don't want to be hustling, but that's that's where I'm at at yeah. the moment. Yeah. You're on the grind. That's your part of the journey right now. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Sometimes, I mean, it's a balance, right? Like, yes. you can never do one or the other completely. It's about making sure that there's harmony between the two. And sometimes it's just grind time. Right. Yeah. This week was grind time. You don't always get to decide. No, no. There were a lot of <laughs> deadlines that had to be met. So yeah. I was like, ah, oh, shit. Yeah. All right. <laughs> oh, <laughs> no time yeah. for play this week. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I got you. I actually did the opposite or. Well, yeah, because yours is the debugging from mm -hmm. the hustle. So how did yours go? Good. It was. <laughs> there was a pause there. There was a pause. Yeah, it was. It was good. I am debugging from the hustle. It isn't going the way I thought it would. It's I'm debugging from the hustle and then ending up doing a bunch of other crap in place of it. And I want to just rest and be more disengaged, I think, with people and things. <laughs> I know that sounds weird, but I, nope. I need a period of time of doing nothing. And so yeah. what happened was I debugged a lot from hustle culture. I've started my own business. I'm really enjoying it. It's going super well. I've like got to be honest, I didn't plan for success. <laughs> <laughs> I totally pl I planned for I only planned for failure and then success started to happen and I just that's kind of sad, though. Didn't know what to do with it. Well, it is what I it is. I knew you were going to succeed. <laughs> I was surprised. Yeah. And so it's, I'm very happy about that. And it's leading to me being able to work a lot less, which is cool. Yeah. The problem is, is that I feel like everybody, including Jesus, has contacted me this last couple of weeks. I don't know what everybody needs. I... It, it seems like I'm being leaned on in some way. I don't know if people realize that I have more time on my hands or what's going on mm. and maybe or maybe i'm just more responsive than i normally am maybe oh, there's that could be my own kind of yeah you accidentally issue. give them a nugget and yeah then keep, mm. yeah and it so and i don't i really don't mind but i need to i think dial back my engagement with my phone and yeah. email it's not it's not social media so much it's more just i think i'm really consistently responsive and mm. i think i need to give people you know put them on ice for a second and give like a 24 hour period before I'm responding. Yeah. Not in a way of they're not doing anything wrong, but just because I'll get too busy and too frantic Wrapped and up in overwhelmed. It. Sure. Yeah. And so uh, I think I filled the open space with something else accidentally. So I just want to try to keep the open space more. Yeah. I yeah. dig that. Good awareness. And again, practice with boundaries. You know, you you think about, oh, I'm doing really good with these boundaries. And then all mm -hmm. of a sudden you like slip a little on a different one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exa yeah, right. Exactly. And I think I'll probably just end up telling the folks that, hey, I'm actually kind of disconnecting from my phone a little bit. So I'll only be checking it maybe once a day. Right. And that's when I'll be responding to everything. So just so you that's know. That's nice. I'm At not... least you're giving people a, a warning. I just don't respond sometimes. <laughs> I'm just like, mm, I was going to sit there for two days. Sorry. <laughs> my, I think... The people in my life are really, really kind about that and yeah. really respectful of my boundaries. So I'm not super worried about it. It's just my own bad, you know. Yeah. You know, you're yeah. your oh, own yeah. problem sometimes. Oh, yeah. It's, no, I definitely relate to all those. This one's totally on me. <laughs> so I'm trying. It's just a work in progress. Yeah. 
Cool, cool. So what are we doing in this episode today? Yeah, this week we are on episode 69. Yay! So we are doing paraphilic disorders. Mm-hmm. Now the DSM-5 also does have sexual dysfunctional disorders. Like that's a whole different section. Mm-hmm. That's a heterogeneous group of disorders that are typically characterized by clinically significant disturbance in the person's ability to respond sexually to an experience or to sexual pleasure. Mm-hmm. However, paraphilic disorders, what we're going to be covering today, is a whole different ballgame. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's a whole ass another thing. Whole another thing. So we're going to give just a trigger warning for this episode. Yes. You know us. We are going to make it light. We are going to try to be kind of breezy, easy breezy about sometimes a dark topic. It's not meant to make light of the topic. It's no. meant to make it humorous so it's in little digestible pieces so yeah. that we can more easily deal with the information. Now, some of this information could be disturbing or triggering to folks. Yes. So for those of you maybe with assault histories or something like that, you might you consider, might not want to listen to this yeah one. yeah you might consider skipping ahead in the episodes or going back and re-listening to another one yeah uh, or if you're in a really good place it's yeah totally maybe fine. you've done some healing and it's yeah. not gonna be but we just wanted to give a little trigger warning out there because we are going to be talking about some colorful things yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes it's colorful so first what even is a paraphilia what does paraphilic mean so paraphilia was previously known as a sexual perversion, hence the term pervert. That's not like great. We didn't want to really use the term pervert. So they have changed it. And also it was called sexual deviation. So people were called deviants back in the day. Neither of these are great. Neither are nice terms. No, No. we we don't want to use that language. So it is a sexual proclivity where sexual arousal is obtained from a consistent pattern of inappropriate responses to objects or people and in which the behaviors associated with the feelings are distressing and dysfunctional. So basically what would determine inappropriate being it's hurting you or Or someone else, else, right? We're not trying to, it's not a judgment. No. It's literally just, it's against a social context. We do not want to hurt somebody or yourself. And when these things do that, that's when it's a paraphilia. Right. Yeah. And or if it's just disturbing yourself that you have yes. some of these desires. Yeah. And you even do if not you're not them. hurting or acting in it, you have some of the thoughts or fantasies. Yes. And it's disturbing your everyday. Yeah. And uh, Michaela has a special level of, this, <laughs> of experience yeah, with yeah, this. From that, working with sex offenders. Yeah. Sure. Ma- Michaela worked with sex offenders. So she has an extra level of knowledge about this that I'm sure we will be able to access for this particular podcast episode. We will tap in a little bit for yes. sure. So yeah, the DSM terms paraphilia as an intense and persistent sexual interest other than sexual interest in genital stimulation or fondling. With the phenotypical normal, God, they really word this intensely. Yeah, I would just translate. (laughs) (laughs) Basically, if you are getting sexually stimulated by things that are not just like genital play. Uh Uh-huh, sure. Or the quote-unquote normal sexual things that arouse people. Yeah, like secondary sex characteristics. Right. Like breasts, that would be a secondary sex characteristic, for example. Right. Or like muscles would be a secondary sex characteristic. So the previous DSM classification did not actually include the word disorder, Mm -hmm. and the term disorder was specifically added to the DSM-5 to indicate that the paraphilia is causing distress or impairment to the individual. Mm -hmm. And again, potentially causing personal harm or risk of harm to others. And the distinction was really made for that classification. And it was also, these disorders are, are in the DSM 
because it's often clinically significant and we kind of need to classify it for those criminals offenses because some of these yeah. things are I mean if you're hurting somebody right yeah you're gonna have something charged and so we need a way to classify and identify what's going on yeah it's really interesting so there's not a one-to-one overlap with the DSM right like a medical or a psychological condition and the legal system yeah so we have to keep in mind like the legal system here is a separate entity and there are different kind of bars for offenses and punishments for different offenses and then there's what the DSM says is a disorder and yeah sometimes they overlap but just interesting to note that there's a difference that always boggled my mind when I was first learning about this sort of stuff in grad school that Mm -hmm. there's a difference here and that you might be punished by the legal system but not considered disordered in the DSM or vice versa or both correct so it's just very interesting to me right but for providers, I mean, if you're working with somebody in that system, it's it's if you need to diagnose them, it's nice to kind of have these yeah these flavors to dig through. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> oh, what a weird, weird ice cream. <laughs> what a weird Neapolitan <laughs> gross flavor that we have here. Okay. So we're going to break down each disorder within this section of the DSM. Now, for each of these, if the person does not declare any distress, so if they don't have any anxiety, if they don't obsess or have guilt or shame about these paraphilic impulses and are not impaired in other important areas, then it's just kind of a sexual interest and it's not necessarily a disorder. Right. The only other time it might be considered a disorder is if maybe they have some legal history to indicate that they maybe acted on it and Mm -hmm. it caused some harm. Mm -hmm. So again, just because they maybe say they have this interest does not mean it's 100% going to be a disorder. Right. Not always. It's more what you're doing with the interest. Correct. And each of these diagnoses did have these specifiers for criteria. So instead of repeating ourselves every single time, (laughs) we'll just... Just so you know. Just so you know, the individual has to experience the recurrent intense sexual arousal from the behavior we're going to describe with each disorder over a period for at least six months. It can't be passing. It's a consistent sort of thing. And it can be manifested, again, by either fantasies, urges, or the behaviors. Mm -hmm. The individual has acted on these sexual urges with a non-consenting person, or the urges or fantasies cause significant distress, impairment in social or occupational or other important areas of functioning. So this is what we have said before, is that if it's displeasing you and it is displeasing others and it is causing non-consent, then here we have a disorder. Correct. So our first disorder is voyeuristic disorder. This is when somebody gains sexual pleasure from observing an unsuspecting person who is naked, disrobing, or engaging in intimate behavior. So this is just known as the peeping Tom. Yeah, this is a peeping Tom. Yes. And, you know, it's funny. A lot of these things, I think, used to be kind of like, I don't know. like More normalized? Yes. That's what I was just thinking. Well, because it's women's discomfort. (laughs) Yeah, right, right. I mean, like, really, like. More often than not, you do not typically see a peeping Tom of, you know, a female to male. Although you can. You can. It does happen. Sure. But I would say statistically, it's more likely. With most of these, statistically, it's more likely from the men. Yeah. And so (laughs) I I think a lot of these disorders or things used to be more normalized because the suffering or pain that women experienced wasn't really necessarily taken super seriously. It was all like, boys will be boys. Yep. This is just funny. Yep. It's a couple of kids who are a peeping Tom. No big deal. Yeah. What's Did you ever harm? watch Animal House? 
Oh my god. Remember he's right. climbing that ladder and he's peeking in on her as she's disrobing. Right. And they like look at the camera and woo. I mean there's a yeah. lot of shows where they have this kind of behavior display. It's all just funny. No yeah. big deal. No big deal. But really imagine if you were somebody that this was happening to. Right. It's no good. No. It's no good in the hood. No. So this is actually and it's not usually like a single situation either, right? So like, yeah, this is a pattern of behaviors yeah, normally. It's not somebody who just one time peeped no. uh, on accident. And we all have that neighbor who walks around naked. And you're like, what are they doing over there? <laughs> That's me. Is- <laughs> <laughs> I, or you might be the neighbor. I'm the neighbor. I'm sorry. <laughs> if you don't know who the neighbor is, you have become the neighbor. <laughs> it's like, isn't that naked guy in Friends or whatever? Yeah, right? yeah. Everybody has naked guy. That's a different thing. It's when right. you're really seeking this out. When Yes, definitely. And again, to obtain this diagnosis, you actually have to be 18 years of age, which that I thought was interesting. That makes some sense to me. I yeah. can kind of see that. It's like, Well, because as a youth, you're kind of just curious maybe. And- yeah, I don't know. Yeah, you're like trying to figure out what's like what's what sexually. So maybe I guess. But again, with that persistent, if it's persistent and if it's a pattern, I could see it. I yeah. could see extending the diagnosis right, a little right. younger. You could at least say they have voyeuristic interests. Maybe you yeah. wouldn't give them the actual diagnosis. Yeah, totally makes sense. So now getting a legit stat on this is really difficult, obviously, for obvious reasons. (laughs) All these stats are difficult. Right, because people hide these things, right? A lot of times people are ashamed of it. And even if they're not ashamed of it, they know they're going to get in trouble for it. Right. And so we don't really have a great statistical estimate on this. But the DSM indicates that the possible prevalence for voyeuristic disorder is about 12% in males and 4% in females to experience within their lifetime. Yes. And this is actually the most common kind of disorder that is law-breaking, like that people actually get kind of slammed with or caught with. Oh, yeah. I could see that one. Yeah. Again, it's been very normalized. So people engage in it more likely and are more likely to potentially be caught doing it. Right. Well, and it's not just – it might not just be I'm – watching this but sometimes people take pictures or record video or whatever and that's usually how in my experience how i've seen people get get caught some kind of jail time for that yeah our next disorder is exhibitionist disorder it's the sexual gratification through exposing one's genitals to an unsuspecting person and again this can manifest by fantasies urges or behaviors so this is the flasher everyone yep Yep. wasn't there an episode in the office about there was a flasher in the office yeah they flashed phyllis got flashed yeah Yeah, and everybody it it was actually great because a lot of the women in the office were really concerned about phyllis yes they felt really bad for phyllis they knew immediately how disgruntling and upsetting that could be yep i bet you've been flashed i've been flashed so many (laughs) people get flashed yes wasn't a co-worker of ours just flashed Yes, actually, Remember? they were. Yeah, yeah, they were on a walk and they got flashed on their walk. And I mean, in the prison system, of course, you get flashed like walking past the cells. And I I mean, think about how many dick pics people get, too. Oh my I mean, you're getting flashed in that sense, that's too. True. Those are those. That's I this never, kind of behavior, too. Oh, my God. I never thought about that. <gasps> dick pics are flashing. It's yeah, digital flashing. It is. It's digital flashing. Oh, my God. I Especially just, if it's unsolicited. I just got so mad. Yeah. Oh, my God. I'm really mad right now. <laughs> I knew these I knew these would piss me right off. I know. <laughs> like, I like tried not to read too much on the episode because Michaela prepared this one and I knew I would get really upset and annoyed because I feel like constantly sexually harassed. Like yeah. it's just like a constant I don't even know. I mean the amount of non consexual dicks I've seen in this world. Mm-hmm. So many. It's so many. And it like I feel like it's pics, I mean flashers out there. It is they're everywhere. Yeah. 
What is that? Why, I don't know. Why do people want to show their penises so much? I don't know. They're just so proud of it, I guess. When half the time, they really shouldn't be proud of it, to be honest. Like, <laughs> oh, no. one of my responses once to somebody was like, I've seen bigger. Oh, my God. <laughs> I just you, said that to you, them. <laughs> you thought of that? Awesome. Yeah. Oh, I'm so impressed with that. I feel like I just get mad and I just make growling noises like a raccoon. Like, <laughs> one time I barked I just show someone. unimpressedness and then they get shut down. Yeah, that's that's really smart. <laughs> laughing seems like a good idea oh yeah that'll real that'll shut it down real hard oh my god that's so crazy so specifiers by people who have exhibitionist disorder yes are that they're most aroused by exposing themselves to pre-pubertal children or physically mature individuals or both so there can be a specifier like right you have a type essentially that you like to expose yourself to yeah some people like to expose themselves to kids which is disturbing some people like adults some people prefer both just doesn't matter yeah right i'm assuming you had a lot of this in the system that you worked in yeah and to honestly most of it didn't matter it was more just about what was it about Control? Again, it's it's their sexual gratification. Like they feel like they're getting a rush. Like it's like a roller coaster oh. type thing. Like woo, yeah, yeah, adrenaline. Very interesting. Hmm. So now, just because they like exposing themselves to a kid versus an adult, it doesn't necessarily mean that they meet criteria for a pedophilic disorder. That's a different right. thing. That's right. still flashing, and that's a sub kind of clinical diagnosis. Right. The DSM indicates that the possible prevalence for exhibitionist disorder is approximately 2 to 4% in males and generally, quote, generally believed to be much lower, end quote, in females. Right. So I also wanted to say, I think can't exhibitionist disorder include like kind of fantasies of or actually doing sex in public, those yeah. sorts of things. Definitely. Yeah. It and can. I know that some people have kind of fetishes that way. Mm-hmm. And again, if it's, it's that getting caught and that excitement yeah. and that thrill. Yep. And that's kind of a less uh, or a more benign if everybody's consenting. Sure. And, you know, it's like you're just having sex in the woods or something. <laughs> right. Everybody's like into it. Okay. Yeah. I feel I like mean, the stat is really low though now. Like thinking about again the dick pics, yes! thinking about People who like having sex in public settings, yeah, or in like bathrooms, yeah, bathroom yeah, yeah. I feel like this is a pretty low percent. Yeah, I, don't, I, I think it'd be higher. I definitely see how some ends of the spectrum could not be that problematic. Like again, I don't right? Know, yeah, again, if they're consenting and yeah, right. But it it really does. I would imagine there's kind of like an escalatory pattern with like going from dick pics to flashing sort mm-hmm. of a thing. Like I'm sure it starts small and then just gets bigger and bigger <laughs> and bigger. That's what she said. <laughs> I might have been trying to set you up for that. Oh, that was good. It was golden. (laughs) Perfect. Yeah, there you go. There you go. Okay, so what's the next disorder that we have here? Oh, my God. I forgot about this one. Frauderistic? Frauderism. Yes. Wow. I totally forgot about this one. I haven't thought about this paraphilia since I was in abnormal psych in undergrad. Yeah. Wow. This is sexual gratification through touching or rubbing against a non-consenting person. And again, it can be manifested through fantasies, urges, or the actual behavior of rubbing, touching. Yeah. I actually know somebody who, a couple of people who, you know, live in New York or Chicago or whatever, and they ride the subway, the CTA, whatever yeah, it is. Yeah, subways and, and elevators oh. are terrible places for Yo. this 
the fraudulent daydream yes. right there yep. is a subway or an elevator or a concert. I've seen it yeah. actually in concerts oh, yes. a lot. God, yep. I've had it happen to me at concerts. Same. Jesus Christ. Like, can we just go anywhere at all without getting an unsolicited dick pic or fraudulent behavior? Right. It's my main question. That's, right. I just have to ask the judge and jury. Anywhere? Bueller at all? <laughs> Bueller? Like, a single place? That would be cool. Like, the grocery store would be nice? I mean, or? the thing – I mean, again – these people are predators. They are on the hunt for where they can. So they're going to find a location and right. find, you know, a way to do what they want to do. Exactly. And again, right, it can just be thought. Like, sure. And in which case, that's not harming anybody. No. Like, you're just like kind of imagining it. Yeah. And it's like, maybe gets you off to imagine. Right. Whatever. That's, cool, you know, man. as long as you're not hurting anybody. Yeah. Again, it's, if it's distressing to you, though, like yeah. if you're fantasizing about this, like, and it's disrupting your workflow. Yeah. Then we have a problem. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I couldn't get anything done today. I was thinking about rubbing up against unsuspecting victims all day. Right, against that one random person who I see grocery shopping all the time or whatever. Good Lord. Good Lord. Okay, so what's the next one? The next one is sexual masochism disorder, which is when someone gains sexual pleasure through being humiliated, beaten, bound, or otherwise made to suffer. So again, could be fantasies, urges, or behaviors. Right, so that's your BDSM. This is the submissive is kind of what you would imagine. Right. The the person who is being humiliated is the person who has the sexual masochism. Right. What was the girl's name in the gray? Oh, the oh Shades of Gray. Oh, Jeepers. What was her name? I don't know. It's the girl in that book. It was like Anastasia? Yeah, I think is you're that right. right. I think you're okay. right. Yeah, it was like Amber Ophelia. <laughs> I think, I think, oh, Ophelia. Ophelia. No, it was Anastasia, I think. And uh, should have been also, Ophelia. You yeah, get it? Right. Yeah. Sorry. It should have been Ophelia. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. And also, side note, that book. Real bad example of consent. Oh my god! Real bad. Real example. bad. Real like, bad. We don't so much pressuring and bad. manipulation and yeah, sexual coercion. Yes, borderline assault. So Correct. We don't. We don't use that as a good model. No, no. no. But that no. would be somebody who has uh, sexual masochism, or at least was made to then become sexually masochistic. Right. I don't know that she originated that way, but was kind of forced into those behaviors. Sure. Right. And one of the specifiers for this is with affixophilia. Which means, so that's asphyxiation. So engaging in the practice by achieving sexual arousal with restricting breathing. So this can be really dangerous for some yes, people. I yes. mean, if you're getting beaten, you're getting strangled, and that's getting you off. This yeah. is this is a dangerous game. Yeah, it is a dangerous game. And actually, I feel like I read a statistic somewhere that uh, in domestic violence cases, strangulation is the biggest predictor of, of like, death. Yes, it is. Yep, later yep. on, yes. So. Yeah, if your partner has strangled you, you, you should. We're try concerned. To, yes, yeah. we're concerned. We're very, very concerned. I think I'm going to say a really unpopular opinion here, and I guess people can beat me up for it. But there are things that I think our culture normalizes right now that are kind of dangerous, mm-hmm. specifically for women. And you do need to watch out between the line of like, okay, this is becoming domestic violence and actually like really dangerous versus this is just a sexual fantasy and pleasure right so really be mindful of that for yourself and only you can determine where that is Mm -hmm. but please don't uh succumb to pressures to do things that you really don't feel comfortable doing yeah if you want to explore things that's one thing but the instant you say that was not i don't like that stop it yeah and they don't yeah you're not getting gratification from it or you're just doing it to please somebody else oh gosh please don't do things to please somebody else yeah if not in that bedroom yeah don't be doing that yeah and really ask yourself is this thing pleasing me 
Yeah. It like, does this thing feel actually good to me or is right. this something that's a social pressure or a Right. Or am one? I am I feeling pleasure because I'm pleasing him? Right. You exactly. know, like or them or whatever. Yes. This other person. So right. just like be aware. Just kind of like tap into your own questions about what your sexual pleasure is like yeah. uh, to make sure that you're not kind of going down a dark road because sexual masochism can get dark. It can, it, can it can lead in a negative way. Not always. Not always. But it can. Yeah. And the prevalence according to the DSM and with through Australia, 2.2% mm. of the males and 1.3% of females have been involved in bondage, discipline, or sadomasochism, or that dominant submissive kind of behaviors in within a last, year. Yeah, in the last 12 months. Australia, you nasty. <laughs> <laughs> so now again, to meet criteria for the diagnosis, the person acts on these sexual urges with a non-consenting person right. or the urges and or fantasies cause clinically significant distress. Right. There are some people who do consent to this and who do really like that dominant submissive sexual mm-hmm. behaviors. And I actually know of a married couple who, who do this kind of jazz. And the, yep, it's their thing. It is. They have, it, they have a kind of an agreement. And I mean, to be fair, she's kind of the dominant in the everyday life. And so then they flip roles kind of in the bedroom. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I think, I think there are ways that this can be done to please both partners. But right. again, it's only, and this is not me kind of, everybody's bedroom is their own business. Oh my gosh. It only definitely. meets a disorder if it's like, again, non-consent and somebody is feeling some kind of harm or distress from it. Right. So what's our next one? This one's sexual sadism. And this is when sexual gratification is maintained through the physical or psychological suffering of another person. And as you can imagine, this one can get a little scurry too. Yes. (laughs) It manifests by fantasies, urges, or behaviors. And this is so the dom, right? Yes. But this is like a, this is dom gone dark. Yes. Dom gone. Dark dom. I want to hurt you and have you suffer. Like legit. Like this isn't like me like being like, oh, you like this. This is me being like, you don't like this. Yeah, right. It's not like a light tap on the booty and being like, ooh, what's up? You know, it's more like, no, 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 there's some harm here. Yeah. This is not good. Right. Right. The DSM states that the population prevalence of sexual sadism is unknown. And it's largely based on individuals in forensic and legal settings that even makes the question of how common it is even harder to determine. Mm -hmm. It states that among civilly committed sexual offenders in the U.S., less than 10% have sexual sadism. But among individuals who've committed sexual motivated homicides rates of sexual sadism range from 37 to 75 percent yeah so when i said this one gets dark yeah this yeah. one gets dark yeah and i think it's just so hard to parse out i think our culture really again normalizes mm-hmm. some things that are really really unhealthy <sighs> and so you don't necessarily see the warning sign like it starts off like oh this is fun and this is normal and we're all chilling here and then things it quickly tips yeah things yeah abusers or people who manipulate then escalate the behavior in a way where it's like I consented to this earlier version of things yeah and I was like into this earlier version of something and that was fine because it was really light and chill and very fantasy right and then it just kind of like becomes quickly or rapidly more concerning and this is when things get dangerous think of Joffrey from Game of Thrones remember when he kills like multiple sex workers yeah Joffrey is a great wow great example (laughs) really good example yeah he really gets off on everybody's suffering I mean even like the jester Mm -hmm. you know it doesn't matter what kind of suffering he's providing but it 
it gets him pleasure. Ramsey Bolton. Yeah, Ramsey, Ramsey Bolton. Bolton. Oh my God, he's another great example. All of the somebody... people you wanted to kill in Game of Thrones, basically. <laughs> you were like cheered statism. when they died. Yeah. They had this. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. Well, and you have to wonder too. Like, I I could go off on a long tangent about this, but like culturally speaking, certain paraphilias are more mm, likely in certain types of cultures that. Yeah have bigger power dynamics right. or differences in power between different genders or even different kind of sexual orientations. And so some of these can go awry or are more prevalent more easily in different kinds of cultures. So there is a, a context that matters here. Uh, you might not see the same paraphilias in a different culture, right? Yeah. A lot of this may be Western culture bound. There's also pedophilic disorder. And this is this is the dark stuff. Yeah, this is the stuff that it's, most people get super upset about because yep. this is when someone experienced sexual arousal uh, or fantasies or those urges or behaviors when it's involved with a sexual activity with a prepubescent child or children. Yep. So generally 13 years you're younger, but as long as they have not had their growth spurt, mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. then that qualifies. So if they are still prepubescent, but they're like 14, 15, right. this counts. Right. And and. Right. That's different from the legal definition, which would just be under 18 or 17, depending on the state. Right. To obtain this diagnosis, the individual has to have be at least 16 years of age and at least five years older than the child or children that they are feeling this attraction to. Of note, the DSM states this does not include an individual in late adolescence involved in an ongoing sexual relationship with a 12 or 13-year-old. Although legally... Illegally. That's you, a problem. You, Yep. You're in it. So this is... Yeah, <laughs> you, this, your girlfriend is 17, you turn 18, you're done. Yeah. The, right. Like legally, this is still a problem. But right. DSM-wise, this is where we have the difference. Right. And, you know, to be frank, though, God, 12, 13, don't be doing sex stuff yet. Oh, my God. <laughs> don't do the sex. Don't do it. Don't do the it sex. messes up your brain. What was, um, <laughs> was it Mean Girls? Or is it like, you will get pregnant and you will yeah. die. <laughs> One of those, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we, don't, we, we don't recommend that sort of education. But 12 and 13, your brain's You're, not super formed. So right, yeah. Maybe it, think It's about probably going to have some effect on you. But yeah. there are some specifiers in this because – some people are only attracted to children, mm-hmm. um, and some are, you know, both. attracted to both children and adults. Mm-hmm. If they're attracted to men, women, or both. So that's another specifier, if they're attracted to men, women, or both. Mm-hmm. And then another specifier is if it's limited to incest. So yep. if their sexual behaviors with the prepubescent person is just a relative. Yeah. Just. But gross. Uh, dark. We're, we're in the darkness it's so right now. common, unfortunately. Yeah, it is unfortunately very common. The DSM indicates that the possible prevalence of pedophilic disorder in the male population is approximately 3 to 5% and that females, quote, is even more uncertain but likely a smaller fraction, end yeah. quote. So yeah. that's what we have there. And again, this is super hard to study. It is. Because it's such a low, well, it is unfortunately not as low of a base rate situation as we would like. Well, the thing is that the amount of people who get imprisoned and charged, yeah. they don't necessarily have this disorder. Right. See, the child victim is, it's an ease thing. Mm-hmm. It's an easy access thing mm-hmm. that they can manipulate, that they can right. groom and they can do what they want to do and be in control. Right. It doesn't mean they necessarily actually have this disorder. They're not right. necessarily like, I like children. They're like, this is a victim that I can yeah, do whatever. Do what I want yeah. with yeah. is so what most of those sex offenders actually are. Right. It's, again, the legal versus the DSM, right. which has a lot of differences. 
the DSM does note that there is a correlation between having pedophilia and antisocial personality disorder. So if males, you know, I'm saying males because they're statistically more likely to have this. If they have both, then they're more likely to actually act out mm-hmm. sexually with those kiddos. Mm-hmm. And the DSM also notes that adult males with pedophilia often report they were sexually abused as children. However, it's unclear whether this correlation is causal, right? It right. could just be a correlation. There's, yeah. And also there was a study that showed that these men that reported this lied lied yeah right so when we went say, back yep. and we're like okay well we can verify this then they said just kidding so right. yeah I'm not, and not most of the it. sex offenders i worked with honestly did they were not sexually abused now they may have experienced right. some other kind of abuse or emotional right you know distress from childhood but most of them were not actually sexually abused statistically from what i Right. experience personally your personal anecdotal yes, situation correct yep, exactly and again like that's a lot of what we have to go on in these situations because there's not a lot of research out there we right. have to go on our clinical experience yeah and again trying to get somebody to answer these things honestly honestly oh, is God. real real tough yeah it's hard. It's, <laughs> it's hard to know you have to just basically go by what the behaviors you see are mm-hmm. what the reports are you have to go by other people's reports family reports etc yep Yeah. The next disorder is fetishistic disorder. This is an intense sexual arousal from either the use of non-living objects or a highly specific focus on non-genital body parts. Again, this can manifest by fantasies, urges, or behaviors. So like feet. Yeah. <laughs> like that's a good example of like this is non-genital. I'm really sexualizing feet. Yep. Or it could be an object like yeah. high heels. I love lamp. I'm <laughs> sorry. <laughs> You know what I mean. I love lamp. I love lamp. <laughs> I love me some lamp. Look at that curve. <laughs> Ooh, lamp. <laughs> <laughs> so to obtain this diagnosis, the DSM notes that the fetish objects are not limited to articles of clothing. So it just ha- doesn't have to just be like high heels or a dress or whatever. Right. And it's also not necessarily just things that are for, you know, genital stimulation. It's not like a vibrator or like a pocket pussy. Right. It can be like an like a duffel bag. Right. Ooh, look at that duffel bag. Yeah. Right. Ooh, look at that. Oh, the pie, American pie. Look at that pie. Right. <laughs> right. It could be that's good. Sorry. Hey, there we go. We're picking out lots of objects that we are. are not sexual, but we could make it that we way. We can. So as a clinician, you should specify if they're fetishist body parts, non-living objects or other other equals gerbil. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I noted that because there were actually some people within the prison system that got sexually aroused by gerbils because they like to stick them in places and feel the scratches. Yeah. I bum, actually, bum, bum. I had a, a client like that at yeah. one point in time. Yeah. Girl. It's, uh, it's a thing that happens. Yeah. These are things that happen. Welcome to our South world, Park everybody. with Lemmy Winks. Oh, no. <laughs> Oh, no. God. Oh, no. I got to lay on the ground. Yeah. The DSM doesn't note the prevalence of fetishistic disorder. Yeah. This is the one that they give us no stats on. Yeah. They're like, I don't know, y'all. Yeah. It's it's buck wild out there. (laughs) The DSM, it does feel like when it got to sexual paraphilias was like, I don't know, y'all. It's wild, though. Yeah. Um, this next one is called transvestic disorder, and this one's kind of a, I would say, controversial. Yes. This is controversial. Definitely. So what is this one? This is when someone gains sexual pleasure through cross-dressing. And yeah, the DSM does use the term cross-dressing. It's yes. not great, Dan. It's no, not great. it's not great. But remember, though, this is only a disorder when those urges and fantasies are causing... Cl- clinically significant distress or impairment in right. your life so if you're like chill with this and you're having yeah a if you're having blast, a great time and enjoying yourself then you wouldn't meet criteria not a disorder 
No. And it also only applies to individuals who are sexually aroused through this. Like they are getting sexual excitement through the cross-dressing. So if you just are like, this is me and this is what I want to wear. Yep. That's, we're not saying you meet criteria for this. Different thing. This it's, is a whole, that's a whole different ballgame. Yeah. I think a lot of people are not even sure this one should be in there. I mean, uh, to be fair, it kinda, sh- just shouldn't yeah, with how our culture is now. It's not culturally relevant anymore. Yeah. No. I mean, this is just such an example of when the DSM changes over time mm-hmm. based on cultural norms and stigmas of previous times to current times. So probably shouldn't be in there, but it is. Yep. So there, there you go. You know that now for your brain. Yeah. Other specified paraphilic disorders and unspecified paraphilic disorders is also in the DSM. So that's like even more the DSM being like, I don't even know. Right. They got <laughs> something going on, but they don't make criteria for these things. Yeah. But there's something, some flavors yeah. of strange. Yeah. Some, something <laughs> is happening and we, we do not think it's great. <laughs> yeah. And there are a lot of different treatments for this, this these kind of disorders. Obviously, cognitive behavioral therapy, CBT, that's one of the gold standards. These Tried indivi- and true. Yeah. Individuals are going to learn to recognize their thoughts, their emotions, and work on controlling their impulses, as well as find more acceptable means of sexual gratification to suppress some of those unwanted behaviors. Right. Sure. Uh, dialectical behavioral therapy helps them learn the same as CBT while also teaching some interpersonal skills, mindfulness, which could include impulse control and emotion regulation skills. Yeah. And in the prison that I worked within, we had a treatment that was for sex offenders specifically, and it was called O-HELP or I-HELP. So the O was outpatient, the I was inpatient, and it was called the Healthy Lives Program. Mm -hmm. So this was basically a group program which combined CBT, DBT, ACT, and that's kind of like common life goals and values while exploring kind of what happened in their lives and what risks led them to engage in their behaviors. So it was kind of teaching them how their thoughts, feelings affected their behaviors. It was teaching them the interpersonal skills, emotion regulation skills. It was helping them identify what was actually important in their lives as far as like values and their needs. And it helped them identify also their flaws in meeting those values and needs. So did they have the means? You know, what strategies did they use to achieve those life goals? Did they have a lack of scope? You know, were they only focused on a thing? You know, like sex is coping was like their only freaking thing mm-hmm. or were they expanding those coping skills did they have conflicts of interests or incongruence between their goals and values mm-hmm. or was there even a lack of capacity you know did they not have the internal knowledge and capacity to do what they needed to do and did they maybe not have external opportunities to do what they needed to do mm-hmm. sure you know i also wanted to note too that in that that's kind of like our last paraphilic disorder but historically i think people have seen the DSM, there have been past iterations of the DSM that have included same-sex attractions yep. or like different kinds of sexual orientations as disorders. Yes. And I just want to really quickly point out there, we were moving away from that. That is yep. not an okie-dokie thing for medical providers or mental health workers to engage in so there used to be a practice called conversion therapy for and and homophobia quote was in the dsm i think it was called homophobia in the dsm and uh it was treated through conversion disorder and we now know that this is incredibly harmful yeah not acceptable not okie dokie in any freaking way and so i use that or i say that example to say that times change and Right, something like pedophilia is not going to be yeah, okie dokie. That's, that's not going to be okie dokie. If it becomes okie dokie, I have problems. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. We're we're all gonna, but there are things that 
time changes the way that we view certain different things. disorders yeah and quote we, unquote yeah different disorders and there are some people that have been really harmed by the way that the dsm focuses on disorders yeah and i want to make sure that we don't minimize that um i like again go way back to our first second third episode about the dsm mm-hmm. and how a large portion of it is bullshit and so <laughs> we're reporting the facts to you but there's not like we don't necessarily buy into every part of this right. as practitioners. And as a practitioner, you really do have to use your own judgment mm-hmm. and make sure that you're not practicing harmful societal ideas upon your Clients. client. Even, yeah. if, even if it's in the DSM or even if it's written a certain way, like we do have to be kind of conscientious objectors yeah. when when you, you want to use good judgment about how something is impacting the person in front of you. Right. And that's just something to kind of be aware of because these things change. They do. They I mean, do. it was the same as like when wanting to be free as somebody who was a slave was a disorder. Uh, that was oh i forget what that was called i can't recall it what was, that was like, called but yeah, yeah but you know what i mean yeah, right yeah. so like things change and uh or <laughs> when uh somebody had a wandering uterus and they were <laughs> in prison because they were hysterical right disorders yeah, change yep and sexual paraphilias are to me feel like a very soft one and so i always wanted to put that in there of like i wouldn't be surprised if in 10 years this looked nothing the totally same. different yeah yeah what it looks now yeah so I think there's a few that should probably stick around, but, you know, overall. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Things things will ebb and flow with what is culturally normative. And as our society progresses and hopefully advances in a good direction. Let's hope. uh, (laughs) Let's all (laughs) Let's all just cross our fingers. Thoughts and prayers. (laughs) Yeah, thoughts and prayers, thoughts and prayers. Uh, Yeah, but things will change. change. Yeah, absolutely. So another treatment, too, to note is there are some medications that can be helpful if you're really struggling with this. You know, sometimes SSRIs can help and sometimes just some medications to kind of help with that impulse control if you really are having some struggles. And I mean, with a lot of these, if you are generally disturbed by your thoughts or desires, you might have another comorbid uh, disorder. You might be yeah. having some depression with sure. your paraphilic disorder. So mm-hmm. yep. sometimes medications can help with this too. Just wanted to note that. Yeah. Not our expertise though. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> we're, th- we're throwing that out at the end. So what are you going to try for your outside of podcast experiment? So I know this last time I really failed on my fun activity, and I want to try that again. I, I've been hustling a lot. I'm hoping this next week I'll be able to squeeze in something just kind of fun and light because I feel like I was, I've was i been really grinding this last week. Yeah, I see you. I see you up on that grind over there. You're, yeah. doing, you're doing great work and <laughs> maybe time for a break. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. How about you? What's What are you going to do? I am going to set boundaries with people who are texting me. And that will just essentially just say, hey, I'm not available 24-7 anymore, so I might not get back to you that day or that minute. And I I have optimism that folks are going to be pretty respectful of that. Nice. Yeah. So you have a joke for me this week. I do. Did you know that the urge to sing The Lion Sleeps Tonight is only ever a whim away, a whim away, a whim away? A whim away. Yes. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I thought, oh, that one took a little I to stared land. at you like. <laughs> You're like, what? <laughs> What's happening? What's happening? Okay, I had a pickup line because, you know, paraphilia. I get it. Uh, okay. Girl, if you were a fruit, you'd be a fine apple. <laughs> 
That's what I got. Ooh, I, I had a one that actually was said to me once. Girl, you look like a parking ticket. Okay. You got fine written all over you. Oh, my God. That's great. Right? <laughs> I know. I was like, all right, maybe I can give you my number. Yeah. Did this person come up to you cold and say that to you? No, we were on like a 4-H type trip. and Tremendous. We met, and we met with some other 4-Hers on their other trip for this type of thing. And we were all at this like dinner gala situation. And he like just kind of. So I never saw the fellow again, but Amazing. it was great. He shot his shot, though. He did. He did. <laughs> All right. Well, everybody, thank you so much for tuning in. Remember today that um, we do have a Patreon, an Instagram, and a Facebook. We have that information in the show notes. So please seek us out. Find us. Rate yeah. and review us. Follow us. It gives us some more visibility to other folks who are trying to learn from our show. Yeah. Helps us grow. And we so appreciate your time and listening to us today. Yeah, hope you have a great day. Take care of yourself, folks. Bye. Bye. Bye.